to 70 miles south of you. Bam, we're live. Sounds good. Xavier DeRosa. DeRusso. DeRusso. I knew I was going to screw it up. It's French. A lot of unnecessary letters in there. Xavier DeRusso. Oh. Did I say it right? DeRusso. DeRusso. Xavier DeRusso. I'm I'm horrible with names. <laughs> Xavier DeRusso. Xavier. And uh, I found you on Instagram, and you're you're friends with Matt Souza. Yes. What a small world. I know, right? CFL's been great. Love CrossFit Livermore. Yeah. How did you find CrossFit? Uh, two of my friends were already going there. Actually, a lot of my friends were going there. And during the pandemic, 24 uh, hour fitness shut down. And I did not want to try CrossFit at all. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it was the only option that was open at the time. Uh, so I ended up trying it and I loved it. So I stuck around. So Sousa was, was Sousa open illegally? Did he was, was he like giving the finger to the man? Uh, I'm not sure if it was legal or illegal. I was minding my business. I just knew that yeah. the gym was open. So I was there. Yeah. And, uh, and you loved it right away. Uh, it was brutal, but I loved it. I knew I was going to stick around. I loved the, uh, just all the different aspects of it, like the competitiveness of it, that it was combining cardio and strength and all these different things that I wasn't hitting for a while. Uh, cause I was getting really stagnant at 24 hour fitness, but, uh, I got really motivated being at CFL. And how old are you? I'm 25. Two things um, I want to say to you all right about thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, I said something kind of crazy yesterday. It, I thought it was crazy when it came out of my mouth. I was thinking that there's the, the two most important times in the history of man, and my history is not fantastic, that it was relevant that um, you have uh, melanated skin is during slavery and right now. I don't think that I, 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 the the only reason why uh, race is important today is I almost feel like the world has to be saved, not the world. This country has to be saved by people with melanated skin. Like what you do, I, I think one of the biggest, greatest things we can do to other human beings is to set them free, is to liberate them, is to so that around us they don't feel our judgment, that they're free to be who they want to be, and you're doing that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it 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 is truly. Um, it, it would almost be funny to see who's more scared to to speak, who's more scared to speak within their communities of what they truly feel, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's 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 a uh, it's a it's a really uh, bizarre time. I wonder if your perspective is the same as mine. That in a lot of ways. Yeah, I definitely feel like we are fighting for freedom all over again, because back then it was slavery physically, but now it's like mentally so many people are still enslaved. You have this this culture where you're not allowed to think a certain way. You're not allowed to move and operate in a certain way. Otherwise, you are condemned. You are essentially virtually lynched is the way they do it. As soon as you speak out with conservative values or anything that goes against the popular narrative, everyone slaughters you. They jump on you and you are punished in this way where you think, okay, well, I'm never going to do that again because I now know what the people above me are going to do. And oftentimes those people above me are just my own community. It's horrible. Isn't it weird that we're both in the Bay Area? It is. It's a struggle out here, but I love it. Everyone's always asking me when I'm going to leave, and I'm too spoiled living here. The weather's too good, wineries and everything. I just can't see myself leaving here anytime soon. I know. I don't think I can either. The um, 
more than more than the the politics, the harder part is, I guess, is the cost of living. Besides being around so many closed-minded people. Yeah, especially I'm from the Midwest originally. So I remember back home, I have so many friends with these beautiful homes or their mortgage is only $500, huge backyards, and all their neighbors are friendly. And here it's like you pay $2,200 and you have a tiny little box and a one bedroom and you still probably have to rent out something just to make it work. It's, it's crazy. So many people like working professionals, there's like six people in one house, just each renting a bedroom. Like it's insane. Like how do you raise a family in that kind of culture? Well, unfortunately you send them to school and they get fucked up. Yeah. If you have kids and you can, for some reason you can't homeschool, you weren't homeschooled. I was not public school. And um, brought up in a home, a home that voted uh, Hillary, Obama, Biden, the, the whole. Very, very Democrat. Me very too. liberal. Me too. And, and uh, do-gooders, right? You always viewed your family as do-gooders, good people, save the trees, look out for the poor people. That was the, is that the. No, it was a bit of a poverty mindset sometimes. Yeah. It was uh, uh, every man for themselves type of mentality a lot of the times. What do you mean? When I think of the Democrats, I, I was raised that the Democrats were the good people who cared about the poor people and the Republicans were the bad people who didn't care about the environment and only cared about the rich. Well, a lot of times the poor people only care about the poor people. And even when they start to be a little less poor, they still only care about themselves. And when I say the poor people and the poor people, I mean that particular person. Um, a lot of times people don't look out for themselves the way that they want to. They just blame everything on the big, bad, rich, white, old Republicans yes. instead of ever looking at the damage that's being done within their own community. Like the amount of times you'll see soup kitchens getting robbed, it's like it's their own they're their own downfall more often than not so a lot of times i just i would just see selfishness more than mm -hmm. anything especially when i would spend time in chicago people just being very selfish poor people robbing other poor people i in in the in the last 20 years of my life i had the opportunity to be around a lot of wealthy people and what i noticed is when times get rough or when taxes go high they don't suffer who suffers is everyone in their circle, meaning you tax someone who's rich and Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom get the money and it filters through them and then maybe turns into some sort of welfare check. But when rich people get taxed, basically they, they fire the gardener. Mm -hmm. they, they, they take their car less often to get it washed. They, it, basically, it, it hurts all the entire fucking working class. And I know Reagan used to call that trickle-down economics, and I know so many people don't believe in it, but I, I witnessed it firsthand. Yeah, I definitely believe in trickle-down economics. And, you know, there was an analogy someone gave me once, and you'll have poor people sitting on the side of the street, and someone drives past driving, let's say, a Lamborghini or some expensive car, and you'll see them pointing at that person saying how terrible of a person they are, all the mouths they could have fed instead of buying that car. Uh -huh. But what they're not thinking about is – that was a commission check for the person that sold the car. That was a check for the people who built the car. That was a check for the people who cleaned and detailed the car. And for the people who are going to maintain the car later, all of those people are now being fed because he bought that vehicle. So if he didn't buy that vehicle, then what do you say to those people who were possibly affected by him buying it? You nailed something right on the button. There is, it's a misnomer. There is no such thing as that was a waste of money. That the only there's only there's only one way you can waste money, and that's to burn it. 
Money that never it, it it never goes away. It keeps into circulation. So when you drop a hundred dollars into a video game machine, that my, I see my kids, you know, drop twenty dollars into the Ninja Turtle machine. I might think it's a waste for me, but it's not a waste. There's twenty. There's twenty people who that arcade employs, who just got that money. Yeah, it, it's it is absolutely insane. I had this moment. Um, I, I was. Uh, I was making a documentary about a guy and he went and he went to this seminar in New York city. This is in probably 2000. And it was a seminar where a guy talks to you about three hours on how to get rich. And then if you like it, you buy his 10, 10 DVDs. Right. And then you get rich. And I was listening to it and the whole time, like, this is a scam. This is a scam. And I'm not a religious guy at all, but there's one thing that this guy said that just stuck with me as I'm sitting there with my friend who's, who's taking the class. He said, if you resent everything you resent, God gives you everything you want. And so if you resent rich people, he'll make sure or she'll make sure that you're never rich because he doesn't want to give you something you don't want. And that fucking hit me like a lightning bolt. And I told myself at that point, every I, I built a mantra into my life that I use to this day. Every time I see a penny or a nickel or any money on the ground, even if it's like there's like 10 people sitting around and someone might be embarrassed, I'll go over and pick up the, the penny and I'll say to myself, and actually I'll say it out loud, I am a money magnet. And I swear to you, Xavier, from that moment on, my life has been on an upward trajectory financially. Wow. It just changed my mindset. Mm-hmm. And I don't resent any, when I see a Ferrari go by, I don't, I, I, and I see a guy in it, I'm like, man, congratulate. I think in my head, I congratulate him. I send him, I send him some vibes. That's awesome. And I faked it till I made it. And to this day, now I believe it. I'm, I, I want to be happy for other people's successes, not resentful. I agree a hundred percent. I've never thought about just picking up every single penny and saying I'm a money magnet. I had to think about that a little more, but I don't, I totally get the settlement and, uh, or the sediment. And um, I see that. I've always felt like the way that you manifest things is very powerful. The mentality that you have and what you're going for very much has an impact on what you're going to achieve. Like my entire life, like I never wanted the lifestyle that I was surrounded by. So I always had this mentality of until it's my time, I will clap for you. I have no problem cheering for you, celebrating you, your accomplishments, what you're doing and what you're achieving, because I know when it's my time that I'm going to have earned it. And it's going to be something that I didn't just get out of a fluke. It's going to be something I worked for and that I've been saying is coming my way this entire time. This whole cohort of people who I, I, I see is damaging society under the guise of helping society, right? They think that they're, they're, they're protesting with BLM. They're saying everyone should get the vaccine to help society. They're saying that um, you, you, there's things you can and can't say. You can't say that a, a black man is articulate because that insinuates something. You can't, um, uh, there's all sorts of rules. You can't say that that's an oriental rug. I remember when that happened, right? I was a little kid and I said, oh, we have an oriental rug. And someone's like, you can't say that anymore. That's offensive. And this, the, the whole PC thing that was happening. Why do you, is there is there since since you and I flipped the script since you and I finally realized and understood the mechanism of how the brain works that being offended about anything is our personal responsibility and only leads to misery do you think that there's hope for everybody everybody is a stretch but i'd say the <laughs> majority, the majority of people i i'd say it's happening it's starting to get there 
because activism more often than not hurts the people that you are advocating for. We're seeing so many people being erased out of their own narrative or, or out of their own spaces just from activists. You see it in women's sports where people are trying oh. so hard to fight for the justice of women. But now they're saying that these men who are wearing a party city wig can identify as women, kicking women out of their own spaces. And we're supposed to applaud that. Yeah, explain that to me again. That was fascinating the way you said that. Their their activism is getting them out of their own spaces. I knew right away that woke culture basically will there there's no loyalty. That they'll that they'll cannibalize their own. There's no I, I, one minute uh you, you one minute the nurses are heroes, the next minute they're being cannibalized. One minute Kyrie is the oppressed black man, the next minute he's the fucking bad guy. Like there's no there's no fucking boundaries. Anyone who steps off that line, one minute you're LG, one minute you're you're marching the gay pride parade, and now you're having to defend transgender people um, to who are grooming kids. Uh, and I apologize for conflating those two things. I know they're two separate things. I, I apologize to transgender people, which I don't do very often. But there's uh, they'll they'll cannibalize their own. Yeah, there is no end to that to that to their mission. It's just a, to walk a narrower and narrower and narrower line until we turn into fucking North Korea. Yeah, it's to the point where they're just – they're being so woke that they're putting themselves into corners. Like if you just saw the shooting that happened in Colorado Springs, that entire story seems to has have vanished from mainstream news ever since the shooter came out as non-binary. That's crazy to me because now you have a clearly mentally ill individual – who identifies as non-binary, so you have to respect their they, them pronouns. Yes. And on top of that, you can't even say anymore that this is a deranged killer like we would normally say that they were because you can't call a, a non-binary person mentally ill because then that's a stigma in itself. So now they have literally put themselves in a corner where they have to respect the pronouns and the just psychological disorder that a serial killer has or a mass murderer has. That's insane. Isn't it, it that was really funny how that um all of a sudden he wasn't a real non-binary. That was fucking crazy. Again, just complete hypocrisy. I thought we weren't supposed to question it at all. I thought if someone said that on a whim they identify as a woman or as a frog even, we're supposed to just suddenly respect it. They are it's it's this this like a horseshoe effect. It's the further we get from one point, we just get closer to the other. And it ends up being the same just idiotic mentality just from two different perspectives. And we keep seeing it over and over. Um, can you tell me are, – are, are, you were born in the Midwest. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Chicago, but I grew up in central Illinois. And, uh, and, and your parents, are they still together? Yes, somehow. Okay. Yeah, congratulations. And, um, and and what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my dad ended up having a bunch of different jobs. Now he, he's been a truck driver for the last decade, I believe. But um, the economy hit him hard, so he ended up having to bounce around from jobs a lot of the time. My mom worked um, at a material handling factory pretty much my entire childhood. And do you have siblings? Yes, I'm the youngest of five. But I grew up with two, grew up with my Mom's two kids, my dad's two kids from his previous relationship grew up in California. And and how old were you when you moved to California? Uh, I was 19. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. It was and, pretty abrupt. Yeah. 
And 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 that and, and did you and your family moved out with you? No, I moved out here on my own. Oh wow! Um, did you play sports as a kid? Yeah, I did track and football for one year. And during this time, um, being raised, did you view yourself as a Democrat as a kid? Like, if you would do mock elections in the high school, you would check the box, you know, Hillary or Obama. I identified as a socialist. I had no idea what socialism really was, but I thought I was a democratic socialist. I thought Bernie Sanders was going to be the savior of all people, especially when I was in college, because then the second he said that college was going to be free for everyone, I was jumping all over that. Um, But I had no idea what I was actually talking about. But I was very loudly a Democrat with no substance. Uh, Another another misconception, um, right? There's there's nothing that's free. That's correct. Absolutely nothing that's free, and yet they use that word free. They use all – so many times words are being used or things are being said. Like during COVID, they kept saying stuff like um, uh, minorities are disproportionately affected. I wish they just would have – every time they said that, instead they said something that was useful like, hey, by the way, uh, people with black skin, uh, because your your skin is more biologically – prepared better to live at the equator you don't absorb as much vitamin d so please take vitamin d supplementation what if they would have said that every single time instead of play the victim it's so easy it's it, it, right isn't that just like just a no-brainer well that's the exact opposite of what they want they want black people and people of color to have this victim mentality so that we continue to be dependent on these systems that they've established for us. Because if you said something that was actually logical, then that would make sense. And there's a solution attached to that. The reason that we have so many of these just senseless movements is because it's so much easier to say that we're fighting for a problem that doesn't exist because then you don't have to do any actual work. Like they continue to say that we need to fight this police brutality epidemic when that's not an epidemic that's barely happening do you know how rare it is for an unarmed black person to be shot by a police officer and more often than not it is very much warranted i used to think that it was happening hundreds of times a year and that it was just we were being hunted down as black people by the police and that's not the case it happens roughly a dozen times and again those people were more often than not still a violent threat but that does not align with the narrative that they want They want us to be in a constant state of fear because fear is the Achilles heel of black America. It's along that line too. When I, when, when I first started getting red pill, when I first started waking up, I used to think, well, there's no, there's no such thing as systemic racism. And I started going down that rabbit hole and then more and more. And especially after listening to you, I realized there is systemic racism. The systemic racism is coming from the people is being, pushed by the people who say that they want to get rid of it just by saying those things by the systemic racism is trying to make people feel like the victim you get what i'm saying so by by saying that the systemic racism is the fact that you're spreading the message that people are disproportionately affected by certain things instead of giving them the solution because what you're doing is like what you said you're pushing them into a corner and it's the victim corner and there's no out Exactly. And then you're condemned if you try to get out of the victim corner. It's like, why am I the bad guy? When I look at a black person, I say, you are capable of doing whatever it is that you want to do. And there's no one or nothing that can hold you back. I'm problematic when I say that. I'm supposed to tell someone that you are less capable. And that's what gets celebrated. 
it's like at some point you just get to where you no longer care when they boo you because you know what it is that they cheer for. They cheer for victim mentality. They cheer for us to be in this box. And when everyone wants to bring up white supremacy, white supremacy is not even close to being one of the biggest issues affecting the black community. We have so many issues within the community and culture that we need to fix, but we're told to focus on white supremacy because, again, that's just a fear tactic that they use so easily. And if anything is white supremacy today, it's the mentality that we are told that we are supposed to be viewing ourselves yeah. as a victim. New age white supremacy is convincing black people that they are less capable and swearing up and down that they're oppressed. I wish people understood how narcissistic that is to tell me as a black person that I'm oppressed when I say that I'm not. And it's factual that I'm not. It's fascinating. I'm sure you've seen those videos where the guy walks onto campus at UC Berkeley and, and, and he basically paints these people into a corner where they think that for some reason, because of the color of your skin, you have trouble getting a driver's license. Insane. And and they don't realize how racist they're being. It, it, it's fascinating. Do you think it's that they don't understand the basic mechanism of the how the human brain works? Why can't they see it? It's like for me and you, it's like right in front of you. It's like, dude, you can't you, you just you just judge someone by the color of their skin. You know, some people are just blind to logic. Sometimes it's like cognitive distance, but a lot of the times it's people don't look at it from a common sense perspective. Like, I feel like you're trying to add a lot of logic and common sense to something that doesn't have any foundation. These people were told by social media that black people are oppressed and that we need to save all people of color and that white people need to feel guilty for what their great, 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 great grandparents did. And because of that, they've taken it and ran with it because they also are kind of trapped. I almost feel bad for certain liberals because they are trapped in the same system. Because I feel bad for them, too, to be too. honest with you. I feel bad for them, too. I'm like, holy shit, your life looks like it's miserable. And it's always another layer added. It's like it's not even enough to be not racist anymore. You have to be anti-racist. They just continue to push this envelope of what it is that is expected from liberals and from all of us, really, from all races, how it is that we're supposed to believe. And it all really ties into votes. I mean, the rabbit trail of it is the mentality is supposed to tie people down to a certain mentality or to a certain ideology to where we have to fight this victimhood and we have to save people of color. And the only people wanting to do that because they're pushing the fraudulent narrative is the left. Yeah, it's it's fascinating when 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 you so you come here when you're 19 and, and what were, was this your first time in California? Um, Technically, yes. And what were your in you did you land where you're at now? Is that where you landed? Uh, I was in Brentwood briefly and for like a couple months and then I moved to the Tri Valley area. So I've been here the whole time. And how did you choose Brentwood? Um, I was actually there just like visiting some family friends essentially and doing some networking. Then I ended up securing opportunities out here. Uh, so I ended up just moving here abruptly. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I don't know how it is now, but when I was a kid, Brentwood was the co- was the country. It was like there was like farming out there and livestock. It's basically, I'd say, 70 miles inland from San Francisco, due east. Yeah, that's why I had to get out of there as soon as possible. I was like, I didn't leave the Illinois cornfields to be in a California cornfield. <laughs> right, right. And, and and then you moved out here. And w- is that is that scary at 19 to do that? Oh, terrifying. It was definitely terrifying. Um it was premature looking back on it, but I mean, it worked out for me. Luckily, I just was really bold and I guess believed in my vision enough to just go for it. 
So I did. Plus, at the time, I was very liberal, wanted to be around the liberal area, wanted to be around just the culture of the Bay Area, just to end up accidentally red pilling myself and becoming a conservative. You say that, and, and we'll get to that part of the story, but I found this video. And this video is, I think, you in high school. And the, and, <laughs> <laughs> and isn't the internet great? And this video shows some really uh, – the, the audio is really bad on this, guys, but I want you to hear this. <laughs> I, he, already, he already knew in high school. He, he, already, he already knew in high school. L- listen to listen. – what is this, by the way? This is just at your, at your high school? I forgot this video except, or existed, but yeah, this is, I think, my junior – I think this is my senior year. Uh, you're already saying some really smart shit here. Listen, listen if you guys can here. Uh, do you feel that all people are treated equally in the town? Do you, the, the question says, do you think all people are treated equally in the town? And this is some, this is, uh, the town you lived in outside of Chicago. Yes. Okay. Here we go. I feel like people are just looked down upon and there's too much judgment. And once again, it's not just Pontiac, it's just a nationwide thing that needs to be dissolved and people trying to solve it it's being overcorrected the way people there it is he you say he he asks do you think all people are being treated equally and you said no it's not just here it's all over the country and then he goes on to say but the problem is is people are overcorrecting this is this isn't even 2020 yet and you already know people are over fucking correcting here we go here we go are trying to make bigger issues out of things that shouldn't be. And the next people are trying to make bigger issues out of things that shouldn't be. Making more people have tension towards the issue. And it's just Ma- making people have tension towards the issue. Becoming very uncomfortable. And so. making things uncomfortable. It, it was like, is that you already knew. You're, you, you already knew you already knew in 2019 wow. that like hey we have problems but there's been a there's been and that is what's happened there's been a the, the course correction has been so fucking massive that um that there's a demand to see racism everywhere i mean i'm, I'm sure you've seen it the most ridiculous one now is that climate change is anything that they can attribute towards racism and climate change is like the new frontier for racism it, and I, I to be honest with you the other ones i can kind of like make up how they're seeing it this one i can't even understand what they're saying yeah well first thing i have to say that video was from like 2015 actually that was okay okay that, i'm impressed i didn't know i was a little more unwoke back then that i give myself credit for i'd say probably the year after that, once I got to college, is when I really, really started getting woke. But um, I'm proud of myself, proud of senior year me, uh, that I wasn't too indoctrinated yet. But yes, when it comes to climate change, I really just think it's a money laundering thing. Because again, it's one of those things where they're putting so much money and attention towards something that doesn't require it because there's no actual solution in mind. So they're giving these billions and billions of dollars to plant trees. It's like, yes, planting trees is a great thing, but we don't need this much money towards climate change. And the way that their narrative shifts every few years on that is wild because it was global warming. Then it was global cooling. Whatever happened with the ozone layer, the ozone layer literally just magically fixed itself. What happened to overpopulation? Now we're in a population decline. Yeah, I'm hearing all these things about a population collapse like they can't pick a struggle. Because there is no actual end goal there. It's just money going towards the system that continues to just circulate within itself. 
By the way, I saw, I saw yesterday, I saw a uh, study, 30 scientists have done that there is, uh, like in the last 10 years, there's been a 14% increase in um, foliage on the planet, which is equivalent to the size of the United States. And they're saying it's because of all the CO2 in the air that plants are just flourishing, that they're growing at some like accelerated speed. Go Wow. F- go figure. I didn't know that. Go figure. I'll send you the. I'll send you the. Uh, I'll send you the article. It's fascinating. It's really cool. Um. So okay. So you come here, and when I used to see the black light, I lived in Berkeley, California, and when I first started seeing in Black Lives Matter signs, I um a hundred percent just assumed that it was the black community speaking to itself. I had no. I thought you know what I mean. I thought okay, Black Lives Matter. This is. Whenever I would see those signs in a home, I would think, oh, that's probably a black family lives there and they're telling other black families there. Because in my mind, I'd, I had the narrative already. I knew about the crazy um, statistics. You know, 51% of all murders in the United States were committed by 6% of the population if you organize them by sex and color of their skin. And like I was acutely aware of that. And I lived in, in, and I lived in the Bay Area. So I saw and I walked a lot. So I saw all sorts of crazy shit in Oakland and in Berkeley and in Richmond. Um, but that's not what Black Lives Matter ended up being. Black Lives Matter ended up being just this huge, massive movement. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But you you said something in several videos where not from your firsthand experience, but from the message that black people were oppressed, so you lived it. You embrace the message rather than what you are experiencing. And we saw the whole world do that with COVID, right? That is true. Um, And clearly white people have not experienced – the vast majority of white people have not experienced um, being oppressed as a black man. But yet they all jumped on the bandwagon. They believe the narrative without any personal data points themselves. I would say what took me a long time to differentiate is there is a big difference between systemic racism and what I call circumstantial racism. Pretty much every individual from every creed has dealt with prejudice in some capacity. But growing up, and I grew up in a predominantly white area, so there were some just ignorant, immature kids that I would deal with. Or maybe even here and there, there was maybe a parent who said something that was not culturally correct. So I viewed it as racist. But in my mind, I completely equated that to this systemic issue that was holding me down. And the more I started to root myself in my skin color, the more I started to feel like anything that ever went wrong in my life was because I was black. Mm. So that was where that self-oppression mentality happened. It was like I put shackles on my own feet with that mentality. And for so long, that is what so many people aligning with BLM have been doing because there is not a systemic issue. There is no policy or even just a socially accepted construct that is holding back people of color. And with Black Lives Matter, that was very much a calculated, just again, a political ploy and a political arm because it got people up in arms about these issues that weren't actually nearly as prevalent as people try to make them seem. If you look at some of the most high-profile BLM situations, there were so many lies that have been exposed over time about those situations, but nobody wants to talk about it. Even if you remember Breonna Taylor, I would say after George Floyd, she was probably the biggest poster child of BLM. And the narrative was that she was this EMT minding her business, asleep in her apartment, and the police just randomly started shooting into her apartment and they were at the wrong place. That could not be any further from the truth. It's like Breonna Taylor 
may she rest in peace, but she was knee deep in a criminal investigation. Her ex-boyfriend was handling a drug operation and she was handling the financials of the drug operation. And her boyfriend, that was her new boyfriend, was in the apartment with her and shot at the police first after they announced themselves. Everyone says it was this. They Yes, they had a no-knock warrant, but they actually did announce themselves. All of this has factually been laid out, but that went in line with their narrative. They found a fucking dead body in her rental car. I didn't know that. Yeah. They found a dead body in her rental car. Brianna Taylor rental car dead body. Weeks before um, the warrant. Uh, Was a dead body found in Brianna Taylor's rental car? Yes. Let's see. Uh, Wow. I don't know how – I didn't even hear about that. Yeah. Can – Brianna Taylor rented a car in December 2016 and loaned it to her then-boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover. Fernandez Bowman was later found dead in the car, according to WKYT. He had been shot eight times and was found slumped over the wheel. Wow. See how people just skim right over that information? It's fucking... And, and what you said, he shot at the cops first. After they announced themselves. What what I would for all the people who are upset, I always go straight here. What if you and your family was next door to Brianna Taylor's house? Would you have wanted the cops to get rid of them? Fuck yeah, you would have. It's the same thing with George Floyd. Would you would you have wanted um uh, um George Floyd driving around high in your neighborhood, high on meth, alcohol, and fentanyl with your um two year old child riding the tricycle in the street? You you would you would have zero tolerance for that. Absolutely not. He was a menace to his community. He armed, he committed armed robbery on a pregnant woman, and people just want to act like he was this saint. And just to show home invasion, brother, home invasion on a pregnant woman, put a gun to her belly. Insane. Absolutely insane. insane. And just to show how there's no bound to this, even Breonna Taylor's mother got canceled because she called out BLM for the fact that they made millions of dollars in her name, image, and likeness, and not a single cent went to Breonna Taylor's family. So when you got when you got swept by that movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you at, at, at this point, I, I still hadn't been red pilled, but I was very as I saw the Black Lives Matter movement grow, I started becoming very, 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 very suspect. I would go to places like Portland, the largest white city in, in the United States, and there would be BLM signs everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, these people have no fucking clue. Like, what the fuck are they doing? And um, but you got swept up by it. Can you tell me like your journey into like, were you a BLM member? Like, were you a card holder? Did you donate money and get some sort of like, how, how does the organization work? Um, I never donated money. I just pretty much went to different events and I was advocating online for the movement for the longest time. Um, I would say roughly 2018 onward to 2020. I was just active on social media, always talking about racial injustice. Um And then I got really involved in 2020 because I actually got bored during the pandemic and I applied for a reality show. And the premise of which reality show, uh, I still can't say publicly because of NDAs, um, but it was a popular reality show. The premise was similar to Big Brother, except you don't meet your competitors. It's all virtual. So some people are selected to be catfish and, you know, the term catfish trying to be somebody else online. And I was pretty much told to be. Were you going to be a woman? I was going to be a white sorority girl who taught people how to be a BLM ally. 
was the whole thing that I was portraying. So I started studying BLM more in depth because I wanted to be ready for all the counter arguments that would come with that. And as I listed out just like different talking points and people I wanted to go up against their points, I stumbled on Candace Owens. And she had a video that to this day just lives in my head rent free, where she was saying how the black community is unique because only in the black community do we take our lowest common denominator and make that the forefront of what represents us. And I was thinking about that more. I'm like, you would be hard pressed to find other communities who take their criminals and their drug addicts and make those people the glorified figures in their community. And I was so mad at her that in spite of her, I tried to be a pro-debater. And every single time I tried to go against her talking points, I ended up just dismantling my entire narrative by accident. When when you were are, – are there any things that you still think back then when, when you were such a uh, – uh, advocate. By the way, congrats. That's awesome that you met Candace. Yeah, she's so sweet in person. I've spoken to her many times virtually. I actually work for her nonprofit, Blexit. Um, oh, that's hers. Yeah, Blexit is excellent. I love Blexit. Can't speak enough about them. Um, they're doing the work in the community that I wish BLM would have done. Um, they're promoting entrepreneurship, representation, um, histor- like real historical programs that uplift and expire, criminal justice reform, all of that good stuff um, Blexit represents. And they have great merch. Great merch. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to play this. Hopefully I don't get in trouble for playing this. Um, I'm going to show you guys this here real quick. So I grew up in a very liberal and democratic household. I watched way too much media and I was indoctrinated with this belief that nice shirt, by the way, dude, you look yoked. Thank you. I was going to go outside and be gunned down by police and become the latest Black Lives Matter hashtag. So there it is. That's the line. You you were believing the propaganda, and then you said another, and, and, and so you thought you started. Actually, they had programmed you to think that you would be, you were going to be gunned down if you had interaction with cops. And then the other thing that you said that was fascinating to me earlier was is that you so identified with your skin color that you made it an issue every time you had a hardship in life. Yes, and a lot of that came from where I grew up because I was born in Chicago. I spent a lot of my summers and like every other weekend there. And whenever I was there because of the way I spoke and where I lived, they would say I was a white black person or an Oreo or something like that. Then I would go back to Pontiac where I was surrounded by white people. And because I was always being told to hyper-focus on race, I would start feeling like I stuck out there. So I really just didn't know where I would fit in. So as I got older, especially once I got to college, I really felt the need that I had to find my identity and my identity had to be in the way that I looked. But, uh, by the way, I'm going to switch your, your, your Instagram is just at Xavier, right? Spelt, yes. spelt X A V I A E R. Correct. So I just put a little at in front of there. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Say his name! Say his name! I started posting about Black Lives Matter on social media. I became an activist for Black Lives Matter. And it ended up getting me a platform to where I was actually casted to be on a reality show. So as you build this platform and this identity as a um, Black Lives Matter activist, was it hard? Did any part of you not, as you started waking up, being like, oh, but fuck, I've already come too far down this way? 
maybe I can just put my head in the hole and look the other way. I well, I knew that just like it would be like if I started hating CrossFit. I spent the last <laughs> 15 years jerking these guys off, and now all of a sudden I'm like, nah, I don't touch that. I would say I didn't hesitate much in the fact that I needed to be truthful because it was just something I really felt my values led me to do um, was to speak my mind on these issues. But I was scared, I could say. I was a bit nervous about the backlash. And of course, there was a lot. Um, Lost quite a few friends, family members saying that I'm a white supremacist as if that would benefit me in any way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I even had a cousin tell my mother at a funeral that I'm a member of the KKK. And I'm like, please give me the logistics on how that would work. It's crazy. You know, and and I think it would be fair to say that you believe in people. Like one of the cornerstones of what you do, maybe not cornerstone, foundation of what you do is the fact that you believe in people. You you believe it's exact opposite. You you believe in people regardless of the color of their skin, but you especially believe in people um, who who have black skin and that you don't want them to be oppressed anymore, that you don't want them to be oppressed by their own narrative. That's basically you're, you. You want to – there's nothing greater. Have you ever been around that person who lets you just feel free all of a sudden? Yes. You know what I mean? Like like you're at the beach with them and you're like you take your shirt off and you're just hanging out and you're just like, holy fuck, this person's so fucking cool. Anything goes. Yes, this like is, those people who just uplift and – empower you like those are the kind of people you want to be around i always tell people maximize your freedom you have it for a reason like if you're around a really good professional photographer that's the way they make you feel like if you're doing a photo shoot or or a good documentarian they basically in their space you're just free and so to say that you're any kind of oppressor to me is batshit crazy because you want to set people free from their own mental cage it's like so obvious to me yeah thank you and on that show, the premise is you don't meet your competitors in person. You only interact virtually. So you portray whoever it is that you're set to be. And I was set to be a woke white girl who was an ally of Black Lives Matter and was supposed to teach people how to. At the end of the show, where you would you have come out and they known that you were a black man and not a white girl? Yes. Okay be a supporter of Black Lives Matter. Because of that, I wanted to make sure that I was as knowledgeable of all the counter arguments as possible. And everybody asked, what was your red pill moment? I had a prescription bottle of red pills. I tried to go against Candace Owens. I listed out all the different arguments she had and tried to prove each and every one of them wrong. And every time I proved her right. And I started finally asking myself, How are hundreds of millions of dollars raised by Black Lives Matter, but we're not seeing a single business or community benefiting from this money? Not even the businesses that have been destroyed by Black Lives Matter rioters. Black lives never mattered to them. Black lives didn't ever matter to them. They didn't didn't ever matter to them. That is correct. Uh, So, so, so. When you when you get when you do this, by the way, my journey was I, I was around a lot of libertarians and they were and so I was getting the constant talk for 10 years, constant talk, constant talk. But for me, I was at a dinner at my house and there were a handful of people in the in the kitchen talking about how racist Trump is. And I hated Trump for whatever reason. And they were talking about how racist he is, and they kept saying these specific things about him being racist towards Mexicans. And I have a computer in, in my living room. I have a little office set up in my living room. So I walked over there, and I spent 30, 40, 50 minutes trying to find anything racist he had ever said. 
And I found that I found the lines that they were talking about, about Mexicans. And what he was referencing was he was saying that Mexico was sending over their worst people. They were sending over rapists, drug dealers and criminals. And I'm like, that's not racist. That's that's just like they probably are. Like if if I was going to let people cross the border, I'd get rid of my shit people, too. And at that point, I was like, "Okay, I'm done. It It was just like, bam, I'm done. You know, that's an underrated part of my story that I don't talk about enough, too, is part of why I feel like people were able to come to me from both sides of the aisle before I was red pilled. And even when I was still like very much Democrat and liberal, there was a point, I'd say maybe 2019, where I started to be, I guess, a bit more independent because I always wondered how could Donald Trump be so racist when some of the nicest, most like godly Christian people I've ever met in my life love him and say that he is this great president. So when I actually challenged myself to look into him, I can never find those videos either. And whenever I would ask people for a reference, they would send me literal satire, like satirical articles written about him that were completely fraudulent, or they would have a clip and then I would go find the full context of the clip. And I just didn't believe any of the narratives that were about him anymore. And when I started actually looking into his policy, they made sense. So I did start, I actually did like Trump by the time I was a very, very active BLM activist. But anytime I tried to talk about that, I was immediately shut down and nobody wanted to have that conversation with me. So I just stopped having it. And I thought that I had this groundbreaking mentality of being independent politically while being socially liberal, thought that I was the only person in the world to have ever done that at the time. Um, And I was wrong just on all sides of the spectrum on that. Do you think um, that conservatives are more open and libertarians are more open to discussing the issues with liberals than liberals are with conservatives? A hundred percent because conservatives don't even want liberals to be censored as far as like speech goes. I can easily say that in the entire 23 years that I spent as a liberal I didn't have conservatives wanting me to be deplatformed or to be completely silenced or more often than not, people were very respectful in the way that they debated or disputed my points. But when I flipped to the other side and now as a conservative, liberals are so vicious. They try to get my platform deleted. They try to put my personal information out there. I've had them contact my employer. Like they have done the most insane things to try to make my life miserable And it's just such a reflection on their mentality and how they are not the tolerant liberals that they swear that they are. Have you lost an Instagram account? I have not. Knock on wood. I lost. I uh, I had one with a blue check mark with like maybe ninety thousand or a hundred thousand followers that I had that they took from me. I was confused because I followed you for a while and then you just disappeared and I didn't know what happened. It's crazy. It 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 is. uh... I didn't, I didn't, and you know what's nuts is I never feel like I'm posting anything crazy. Yeah, I've never, li- I've never posted something. I'm like, oh shit, this is walking the line. I'd say the COVID stuff was the most delete prone content that you could talk about. Like, the and, and I posted tons anything. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you could say things. You, I had friends who posted a clip of Dr. Fauci speaking on CNN. No commentary, no caption, just posted the clip and had their platforms deleted. It was 
that was probably one of the dark will go down as one of the darkest times in American history because it was just this black hole of information where even what the professionals were saying and the doctors were saying at some point, oh wait, no, we actually didn't say that anymore. And we're all supposed to just memory hole it. We're just supposed to act like it didn't happen as if it wasn't right in front of us. That was scary. Scary time to be alive. It still is weird. You saw that Gavin Newsom signed into law. A lot of people are saying – a lot of my liberal friends – all my liberal friends completely disagree with this too, which I, I find fascinating since they fucking – they all voted for Newsom. But they – you saw Newsom made it so it's illegal for doctors to give any opinion on COVID that isn't handed down by the state. Yeah, I you don't know. A, you can't get a second opinion on COVID in California anymore. I just don't even know how that's allowed. Like how are medical boards federally allowing that to happen? Like that's the wildest thing I've ever heard. It's like doctors can't be doctors anymore. It's like, what's the point of even going? Just go on Google and see what Google already is telling you to do. There was, there was a, um, uh, when I was at CrossFit, there was a Facebook group, um, that had like over a hundred thousand subscribers and it was, it, it, it it spoke badly about carbohydrates. And Facebook pulled that community down. This is even before COVID. Interesting. Yeah, and it just it, it just shows you like, hey, uh, M and M's and Pfizer, um, they they've been ruling for a long time. They've been they've been ruling for a long time. What happened to all your friends? Did you have friends in the BLM movement? What happened with them? Were you able to talk any sense into any of them? Uh, I'd say there's three categories. There's the people who just completely excommunicated me, and that's fine. It is what it is. There's the people who still disagree with me but are very tolerant of what I have to say. So either they've respectfully unfollowed or they'll mute my content. But I have – I don't want to say like converted, but I have led a lot of people to the truth. Um, I'm proud of that. A lot of my friends that were a part of the movement with me have woken up to it because they knew how passionate I was about it. And they respected me and my, I guess, better judgment enough to say, well, if I saw through this and I'm that profoundly outspoken about the lies that I was being indoctrinated with, maybe I should look into it too. So a lot of people have woken up as well. Any of the stuff or ideas or thoughts that you had about racism back in that previous life of yours do any of them still stick that you haven't been able to reconcile or any of them were like well they had that right well blm definitely had that right you know like i don't think there's a single value that blm as a movement or organization has that aligns with me i will say one thing that's a misconception is people try to say that i say racism just doesn't exist at all and yes like there are still some racist, ignorant people out there. There are still some really wild things happening in the South and in the Midwest here and there. It's very few and far between, but it's not a non-existent issue. But what I'm also able to see now is it's not one-sided like I thought it was. It's happening to so many different demographics of people. It's especially happening now to white people where white people are being attacked just for being white. Um, So... I'd say I that because I was white. I've been. I grew up in the Bay Area. I was born here in 1972. I was born in o- Children's uh, Oakland Children's Hospital, and I personally never saw any racism towards blacks, but I saw tons of racism come towards me. Tons, tons, and tons. I just told a story the other day. I went to the Ice Cube concert with my girlfriend, and we got there early, and I was in the front row, and uh, 
four dudes, five dudes walk up to me and said, Hey, we better not see you holding hands with her. And when you bet, and you better stay against the back wall the entire time. And they pushed me from where I had my elbows on the stage to the back. Now my girlfriend at the time was black and there were four black guys. So I jumped to the conclusion that it was because I was white. They never said that they were never like, Hey, white boy. But I made that, I made that, uh, insinuation, right? Like, and, 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 and I've been in, you know, McDonald's with my friends at one in the morning and, uh, you know, four black dudes come in and they're like, Hey, wait outside until we're done ordering. I mean, I got tons and tons of stories like that, but I, but my, but you know what? I'd never thought of it as we, we just, we just, it was just life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I was never like, fuck those guys or like, I just, we waited, we waited outside. I think maybe we went to Taco Bell. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, you never categorize an entire demographic. Right, if, right. That was one of the conversations that helps wake me up to, or unwake me up. You can even say, um, two of my closest friends are half Arabic, half white, and they grew up in schools that were predominantly black. And the bad thing was most of the racism that they dealt with was from black people. But obviously, since I'm friends with them, they never categorize all black people as racist. But more often than not, they dealt with that racism. And when they did go to maybe a an educator or a professional in the school about it it was written off because if it was the other way around then it would be a bigger deal but it's like oh you're white it's what you have coming towards you like that's the mentality that people have it's horrible especially towards kids i think that's inexcusable when it's happening towards kids xavier uh in 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 as deep as i can go the truth is is obviously it has nothing to do with skin color absolutely zero it has to do with the the I, I mean I don't even know if this is the right word, but it has to do with culture, right? Or the way you were raised. It's like a pack so, mentality within so, the culture. Yeah. So the truth is, is that um, if you go some, if you go to another country, if like if you go to Kenya, um, you the, none of none of the, very few and far between the things that we associate with black skin people in the United States will stick to those people. It's a completely fucking different culture complete i spent a lot of time in africa all every country has its own own culture but for some reason black culture in this country maybe it's because of the word black is in front of it has got completely conflated with black skin right but we know tons of white people who've embraced black culture maybe maybe it's not even fair to call it black culture do you agree with that comment i do a lot of Africans totally disassociate from black Americans because the culture is so different and the value system is so different. But urban culture, I don't feel like should have urban. a skin color attached to it, but it does more often than not. Urban culture. And that's and it's bad because when you see people embracing this culture that they were naturally just raised around, they're condemned for it. I even get mad at these rappers. If you saw recently, there was the Florida, like one of the top quarterback picks from high school, ended up having his scholarship revoked from University of Florida. Oh, that was Florida crazy. Because he was rapping a song. It's like, how was he racist? If he's learning every single word to a song by a black artist, he's not racist. He's just enjoying the song. But he's having his scholarship revoked because of the N-word was in the song and he said it. It's like revoke every single scholarship from a black person who said it then too. Because they weren't enslaved. They didn't go through any of the civil rights movement struggles. So why are they able to say it? It just makes no sense. And his family should sue because that's racial discrimination. 
Hey, he apologized. What what happened to that? Did he? Are they going to let him back in? You think? I haven't heard an update since he apologized. Um, the last thing I heard was that he apologized, and I guarantee it was his parents making him do it just to try to save his career. I don't blame him for doing it, but I wish he would have stuck his guns. I think there would have been better schools who supported him, or at least better, just individuals. I think honestly that there would have been people who supported him just for the fact that it was so unfair what happened to him. He did not need that scholarship. So I I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's just a sad state of reality that we're in. It's um, also on on one of the deepest levels. My wife's Jewish. I have three little Jewish boys. I'm Armenian. I find it insane that when my three little boys are born – that there's a word waiting on planet earth for them that they are supposed to be offended by their entire life. So you're telling me that there's a word here called kike and that I'm supposed to demand that my kids be offended by that their whole life. I, I would never do that. I love my kids. I would never demand that they be offended by a word. And yet we have an entire fucking black community from the second that they're born and I think this is at the root of basically systemic racism. This is one of those things that is de- that we demand be offended by this word. Now, it, do, should words have meaning and matter? Yeah. For communication, yeah. I'm not saying we take, take away the meaning of it. But to demand that people be offended by a word, that they have to throw fists from the second that fucking head crests the fucking labia majora is fucking batshit crazy to me. That is, that, those, are, those are not loving parents. Yeah. Who bring their kids into a world like that, who demand that. Not not the ones who bring their kids into a world like that, but the kids, the parents who enforce that on their kids. It, it's it's um it's shallow thinking. There is no community that is emotionally manipulated like the black community. And it's that way for a reason. And I, I'm tired of it. It's like I can't imagine allowing a word to have so much power over me. Like if someone says that to me. In an argument, which I could probably count on one hand how many times it's ever happened. For me, it's just like, really, like, can you come up with something else? Like, that's really where you went. Like, how weak and pathetic it is. But instead, there's so many people who are Black people who are treated like they're made of glass. And that word is just supposed to shatter them. It's 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 like implanting a weakness in people. You, the Jews and the Blacks do that a lot. It, you, you, a lot of Jewish parents do that too. They tell their kids, and I think – I wonder if your parents told you this, but uh, my wife's parents told her, hey, the world's really rough out there. People hate Jews. Don't Basically, don't trust fucking anybody. Yeah, I mean – Did you I get that told, talk when you were a kid? I was told a lot of things of that nature. Sorry if it's loud behind me. The garbage people are here. Um, that's texture. That's texture to the podcast. I love it. Right. <laughs> Just the realism of it. Um, yeah, my my upbringing included a lot of that. I remember being told as a kid that I would never be loved unconditionally by a white person. Um, I have certain family members who still to this day refer to white people as blue eye or blue eye redheaded devils. Um, And always telling me to never fully trust a white person. So I got that a lot growing up. There's some people in my family, particularly on one side, who are very far along with that rhetoric. Um, And I wish that they could just realize how insane their mentality is. You know, the, the um, the only thing I remember my parents ever saying to me about anyone who is black was that word was not allowed in my house. Like if you ever said that word, like that was like you're fucked. That's it. 
Like I just knew it, it was just in the it was in this pantheon of fucking bad words you never ever say. And it's then forbidden. of course, yeah, it's forbidden. And then of course, and, and and I'm okay with that. I think that was a good upbringing. I'm glad I was told that. But but then of course, in the ninth grade, uh, with my t- little um, tape cassette player from my Radio Shack computer, because that's how I used to load stuff into computers was with the tape, a cassette tape. I I went through probably ten copies of um, NWA because I listened to it so fucking much. And I wanted to be them. I put, I took out the back seats in my car. I put in the four fifteens. I always carried a BB gun. I wanted to be them. Yeah, you're told if you rap every word to their songs, and that means you're racist, even though you literally idealize them yeah. for so much of your childhood. Yeah, yeah. But you're racist. It's like no, you're not oppressing them by singing the words. I was brainwashed, but not racist. <laughs> It's like you're literally putting food on their table by buying their music and supporting their artistry. But the second you speak their lyrics, it's a problem. I It's just wild to me. What about what Kendrick Lamar did? I was just about to bring that up. I'll never look at him the same for that. Me neither. Or when he brought a kid on stage knowing the lyrics of the song. Like I feel like he did that intentionally. That, that was a very calculated move. I will never forgive him for that. That was horrible. So horrible. That kid was probably traumatized. It was a girl, right? Uh, I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl. I haven't seen that video in a while. I just remember it happening. He brought a girl on stage, and then and then she was singing the lyrics, and then she basically told him, or and then she sung the lyrics, and then he basically told her she he stopped the whole song song in front of the entire fucking crowd, massive crowd, and fucking uh, berated her. You can't convince me that wasn't planned. He set her up to fail with that. He's lucky she didn't get killed. Right. Like the danger she was probably put in because of that, knowing how irrational people are about that word and in a a crowd like that as well, where you have drunk, angry people just fired up and angry about these lyrics and everything. That was horrible. That's totally set her up for just her, her entire career could have been ruined from that. With the way that things work now, a short Google search of her, if her name ended up getting leaked, her career is over. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a psychological fear that I, I experience it when I, when I start researching aliens, like the thought of there being aliens here fucking freaks me out. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the conversation at all because of my own, like, cause it freaks me out. That's part of the part that I think that a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to get red pilled. It is scary because it feels like the ground is coming out from underneath you. I mean, it quickly comes back. But do you remember that feeling at all? Like, oh, yeah. shit, like almost like you're going crazy. Like they're, like like someone gave you LSD or something. Yeah, my entire world was like flipped upside down within a matter of like two months. Like I had no idea if up was up, if down was down anymore. And that's why it took a few months before I was willing to speak on anything before I started making content as a new conservative because I knew I wanted to go all out with it. But I just had to find my footing again. Like I just buried myself into research until I could find out like what is actually reality. And it's still a learning process to this day. There's still things that I look back on and I might shift my perspective on. Um, even as a conservative, I'm still trying to remain as objective as possible because there are certain things that I push back on in this movement too. Um, but yeah, it's it took a while. It was a very frightening feeling. What 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 are some of the things? Do any come to the top of your head? Some of the things you push back on, as far as conservatives, yeah. Um, I do think that conservatives can be a little more empathetic. Uh, 
people look at empathy as this really weak thing, but I feel like a lot of conservatives are just way too harsh. And some of or black or white, it's either this or that. Yes, that's the best way to put it. There's a lot of color and gray area there that people don't want to see. And people often want me to have these very absolute opinions on issues when I don't have an absolute opinion. I have a spectrum opinion that I feel like I can put together very concisely, but people are like, is it a yes or a no? But it's not that easy, especially for things like gun laws, abortion, things of that nature. Like yeah, abortion, abortion's got there. me all abortion. I, I can admit that it's killing a baby, but I still can't be pro-life because I, I just can't put a law on someone's fucking body. I just cannot. Yeah. I think that they're so I'm all fucking twisted up on that one. Say that again. I'm like, am I'd say I'm ideology, ideolo- ideologically pro-life where I think that someone should keep a baby as, as long as it doesn't um, harm their health. But when it comes to legislation, I also feel like as legislation, there should be choice to a certain point. I don't yeah. believe in aborting a baby that's ready to be born. I think that there right. should be a restriction there. But again, I feel like someone should keep a baby, but I don't feel legislatively that we need to force that upon people. But I get completely ripped to shreds in the conservative movement the second i say that because they want a yes or a no yeah that that one that one especially and what's crazy is the left keeps pushing it i don't know if you saw that that law they're trying to pass in california they're trying to pass a law that says that if a baby dies within seven days of being born that it's illegal to investigate it have you seen that? Which means that you could actually kill your baby after it was being born, and I, I, like I can't like all of a sudden now they 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 put I, I just makes me want to be pro life. You know what I mean? I'm just like, all right, fuck you guys. You went too far. Like I'm I'm okay with Plan B or or you know like setting some sort of timeline the first ten weeks, but now you want to you want to extend it past the baby being out of the mother's womb. Like what what the fuck is wrong with you? There are so many videos of people fighting for that, too. They're saying it's still the mother's choice, even when the baby's outside of the womb. That's so inhumane and illogical. And I feel like both sides have gone too far. Like, at some point, there has to be some sort of compromise. But people want this party divide because you have so many Republicans who totally want to ban anything. Some Republicans even want to ban condoms and contraceptives. And I've even heard some people say that we should ban birth control and plan B. It's like that's way too far one way. Then you have people who want to kill their baby who's already out of the womb. That's too far. It's like where are the sane people in the middle and where are their voices in this movement, especially when it comes to legislation? I feel like most people logically are within the middle there, but we're not seeing that reflected in policy. Right. What do you think about – what do you think it's like I, – I need to have someone on who can speak with experience like this. But what do you think it's like being gay or lesbian and having your – and I know this is really biased the way I'm saying this – and having your movement hijacked by um, transgender people? I've been saying for a while I feel like they should be more outspoken. I know there's groups out there. There's like – it's called gays for or gays against groomers that are very right. outspoken about it and right. admitting that – When people say that, like I put a post up recently where I said, I'm anti-pedophilia, I'm anti-grooming, I'm anti-denying biology, never said I was anti-LGBT, but people, and I say to people like, ask yourself why you're connecting those two. So I do think that 
the demographic needs to be a bit more outspoken about it. And some people I was even saying, this is like totally out there, but intersex people, people have totally forgotten that intersex people actually do exist. Like people who have a genetic mutation where they might have multiple things going on and they have health you issues. You mean like give a penis and a vagina, penis and a vagina? I don't know what intersex is. I don't know if they can have it like that, but like they might have, I, I, but they can have genitalia of both essentially in yeah, one yeah. way or another and yeah. they usually have issues because of it um they're being they're totally erased and they're being included in lgbt i'm like that's not a sexuality so why are they being included into that uh what does intersex mean intersex is a general term used for a variety of situations in which a person is born with a reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't fit the box as female or male wow yeah, so they can have a uterus and a penis. Like it's a genetic mutation. Okay. Or you, just you, the chromosomes could be all out of whack. I was just um, doing some digging, and I saw that the first transgender transgender. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if the words I'm using are right. But the first transgender operation was done. There were two boy twins born. Mm-hmm. And when they circumcised one of the boys, they fucking mutilated his penis. Not uncommon, people. Tearing off the head of a, a boy's penis at birth is is, is more insanity. But um, they, they mutilated his penis on accident. And so the only way to repair it was just to turn it into a vagina. And so they they the parents decided and the doctors decided that they would make him a woman because they destroyed his penis. And that was the first uh, trans transgender operation the operation transsex i don't know what they call it i hate that word gender yeah because people use it so wrong people half the time they should be using the word no 99 percent of the time they should be using the word sex and they interchange it with gender even really smart people there's so much to all of that because i i don't know if you saw the rest of the story i'm sure assuming you did with that twin where they turned him into a girl and he had issues his entire childhood because of it oh you know that story oh yeah Oh, oh yeah, I know I it very. I, I thought I surfaced it out of the depths of the internet. <laughs> you probably did. It's not easy to find. I learned about it from uh, Matt Walsh's "What Is a Woman" documentary, okay. and um, it goes into detail about how he ended up taking his own life later. His brother also was traumatized from the situation. Like it was really bad. Like that, and the, the bad part is the that the um, surgery and the just whole experiment was written off as a success. They still use that as a successful example, but what they've never talked about is the effect that had on his mental health, because once he learned about it and learned the truth, he started going back to living his life as a male, but he was miserable. Absolutely miserable. I I would be very curious. This is going to be really harsh to say, but if there's any people who've gone through a operation and a sex change operation who are happy, I, I would be very. Not. I would. I, I think it's a fair question, though. But I. But it's probably not a popular one. You should Wait. definitely watch Matt Walsh's documentary because there's a there's a lot of organizations out there about people who regret transitioning and their chances of suicide are significantly higher once they transition because then they realize they just mutilated their body, created all this new complications in their life, and they still are not who they want to be. Of course not. Right. Of course not. Oh, there was a picture of you here with Matt Walsh. Oh, it's towards the top. It was oh. recent. Oh, uh, there right is. there. Is this the same place where you met Candace? No, I met Candace in Nashville at a conference with uh, the Black State executives. 
and then I met Matt in Berkeley just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, was it hard meeting him? Um, no, I was in the VIP area because I, you know, I got the connections there. But um, so I got to meet him uh, pretty easily. It was great. I wish I could have talked to him more, but he was exhausted. He'd been working nonstop lately. You know what's worse than being called transphobic? Going down in history as someone who sat by and said nothing about children being medically castrated and surgically mutilated, all for the sake of acceptance. I'd rather be called a bigot than a bystander. I, I, I saw this thing uh, yesterday on Instagram. It said, I took my son to get uh, a tattoo, and he was 14 years old. Maybe I took it from your Instagram account. And uh, and, he, and they said he wasn't old enough to make to consent to get a tattoo at 14, so instead we got him a, a sex change operation. Yeah. It's bad that that's actually a real thing that can happen. The other thing is this – when someone is a strong argument, I've heard when someone has um, anorexia, they don't think that they're skinny enough. You can't take them to the hospital and be like, hey, we want to do liposuction on them and uh, and have their stomach, you know, have their stomach cut out because that's supporting their. Their insanity, right? And yeah. yet and yet if someone says they don't want their penis, you can take, them. you know, you can't go into the hospital and be like, hey, this arm isn't mine. Chop it off. That's illegal. They They won't do it. Right. They, they're trying to write off gender dysphoria like it's not a mental disorder. When any angle you look at it, it is literally a mental disorder. Yeah. It is mental illness by definition. And we're catering to it. We're yeah. supposed to empower it and affirm it. Um, do, you, do you walk around – in your day-to-day life, are you, do you feel like you're, constant, you're in a state of constantly working on yourself in, in a, a healthy way? Like as these things, like almost like it's exciting to find things to offend you so that you could um, meditate on them and sort of um, uh, transcend them. Like, like it's made your life exciting, like like you're on a mission, almost like you're on the path to enlightenment, to be free. Um, In some ways, I guess you could say that I wouldn't say I'm looking for things to offend me. It's more I'm just looking Not for looking, things. but as you unsurface them. You're excited. Instead of being pushed away from them, you're like, oh, what is going on here with me? I try to be very observant. I feel like I'm a very self-aware person. So I try to be very aware of my surroundings, my environment, what's going on around me. And I have like a PhD in people watching on top of that. So I'm always like watching the way like different groups interact and like the way culture changes and all of that. It fascinates me. It always has. So I would say so. Are, Are you optimistic about the future? Yes, because I have to be. Um, if I wasn't, there would be no point in me doing what I do. Um, if anything, it would just be me complaining all the time. But I do feel like the change is happening and that the change is very realistic and possible. Do you ever think that maybe if you just turned off, um, uh, like if you didn't look at social media or watch TV, like sometimes I think maybe there is no, maybe I've just found this portal where the fight exists. And there is no fight like in the vast majority of the world, you know, I say to people, if you turn off social media, you'll probably be happier. A lot of the times people's mental health improve when they completely unplug, but the issue is very real and the issue is very much still there. I also say not to unplug too much because then you're not aware of what's going wrong around. I mean, ignorance is bliss for some people in their day-to-day life. If they're not surrounded by the chaos, it might just be easier and more beneficial for them personally to unplug. But for people like us who have platforms and who are 
making people aware of what's happening in culture and the direction this culture is going, I think it's essential for us to continue being as engaged as possible. Yeah, I the the I I, I like the way you said all that. Um, when I see what's going on, like in North Korea or China or any time, like the, the guy who really freaks me out is the Klaus Schwab guy. Mm-hmm. Just the open insanity that he babbles from his mouth, or or Trudeau. What I see happening in Canada, I'm just like, all right, I, I just can't turn this off. I still need to keep fucking hammering these guys. That they have they have too big of voices, and we 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 have to chip away at them. Canada's a mess. They're so quick to freeze your bank account. It's like imagine your government just eliminating your access to your own money because they don't like something that you said online. That's still happening? It was for a while. I know it was very prominent during like the truckers movement, um, but I'm sure it is. I don't see that being something that they stop. I mean, they're always looking for more power, not the other way around. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Morgan Freeman? Did you, I'm sure you've seen the videos where he's on with Don Lemon or he's on with Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes. Yeah, didn't he say something along the lines of if we want racism to stop existing, we have to stop talking about race? Yeah. I agree with that to an extent. I don't view talking about race as always a bad thing. I think there's a really just great thing about culture. Like I love talking about German culture, French culture, Spanish culture, Haitian culture, Jamaican culture. Like there's so many different culture aspects that I think it is relevant to still talk about that. So I guess if anything, I do think that it's great to still refer to ethnicity. And there are certain issues that are more prevalent within certain racial cultures. So it is still relevant. I just wish people stopped categorizing unnecessarily. Like if I was seeing you walking down the street, I'm not going to be like, oh, that white guy or that Armenian guy. I'm just going to be like, oh, that guy. So like, I think people put race into the conversation unnecessarily. And when it's irrelevant details, I think that's when we need to stop bringing up race. And, And this movement has actually done the exact opposite of what you're saying. So I'll never forget, uh, I don't know, a year ago, my wife came home from uh, Whole Foods and she said, I had a black checker and I've never heard my wife say anything like that. Right. And I go, yeah. And she goes, I would have never fucking known I had a black checker five years ago. Yeah. And uh, I was walking down the street the other day, I don't know, it was a year ago and it was, it's on a highway with, it has no um, sidewalks. It's kind of dangerous walk. I never see anyone on this walk. No one does this walk, but I do this walk sometimes. And I see a guy walking towards me and he's a black guy and he crosses the street. And I almost just to fuck with them went and crossed the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? The other side, because in, in those moments, I'm like, if I would have crossed the street and I would have never thought this five years ago either, if I would have crossed the street, he may have had the thought in his head. Hey, that guy crossed the street. Cause I was black. And so these types of thoughts have not been eradicated. They've been introduced. I almost think this, Xavier, actually, I don't I almost think this. I do think this. I think I'm really onto something here. I think we were really on the verge of eradicating the I think of I think of racism as a thought, like almost like it's not real. Like you can't actually touch touch racism. You know what I mean? It's like um uh it, it's like gender. It just it's just these ideas that exist in our head. It's not like you. If I saw you, I could touch your face, right? You're real. And I think that we were really close to getting rid of racism as a thought. And then, like anything, the demand came for it. 
so imagine being hungry and then you don't eat. And then an hour later, you're hungry again and you don't eat. And you keep doing that. And the, and the desire is going to become more and more and more until maybe you're going to eat something you shouldn't eat. I mean, there might be, I mean, you could get so hungry that you cannibalize someone. You know, there's tons of mo moments in history like that. I think what happened is, is that there's a market for racism. The demand is so fucking high because we were eliminating it. The demand from inside our own desire. And it's the people who are racist who are the ones demanding it. I don't think it was an accident, though. I think it was very intentional because race baiting is a massive moneymaker. Victim mentality is a massive moneymaker. BLM alone has made hundreds of millions of dollars that have just sat in people's bank accounts or went to political campaigns. And I'd say a lot of it started with around Obama's presidency. I Ben Shapiro actually has a book I had started reading called Bullies, where he talks about how it all started with his bullying campaign. And then over time, or um, Obama's bullying campaign, because everybody can unite against bullying. Bullying is one of those things that everyone across the aisle hates. So it started there. But then that umbrella just kept growing to include more and more and more issues wow. to where race became this big thing where everybody had to unite behind it. Otherwise, you were condemned for society. Now it's the LGBT movement. Now that's becoming this thing where if you speak out against it, even when it's factual, you're condemned and it all falls back to that. And it's, again, just a way to weaponize our emotions because emotions are what's leading to people's votes. Unfortunately, policy and common sense don't lead to votes anymore. It's weaponizing emotion. You think that there's a table that people sit around, like how me and you are sitting around, but there's in talking right now, and there's like ten people around the table, and they're like, "Hey, it's, it's time to bring the race thing back up again." Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and the reason why is so that we can uh, we need the society is getting too much uh, whatever control of itself, and we need to we need to put some disturbance in here so we can get more control over society and make more money. You don't want to get me into my conspiracy theorist mode, but I feel like it it not only happens here, but I think a lot of it is coming from the globalist agenda. I think there is a lot of just incentive for America to be divided because when we're divided, we're obviously a much weaker country. Mm -hmm. And you see what's happening with China and TikTok even. Um, I don't know if you know this, but TikTok as we have it in every other country, especially in America, is banned in China. They have their own version of TikTok that has like educational things posted on there and things that have to do with traditional Chinese values and things of that nature. What we have here is completely the opposite of what they have in China because they want our youth to be indoctrinated with this craziness. They're intentionally making us more divided. If I go on there and I say I'm not oppressed, my account gets shadow banned. I'm not allowed to post. If I post on TikTok, all of my posts have to be submitted for review. And it tells me, it says that this link can't be copied or this video can't be shared. It's still under review. So TikTok has to approve my videos to be posted. But if I went on there today and said, you know what? I now identify as a woman. I would have a million followers within a day because their algorithm pushes that. So I think it's very much a globalist agenda to push us to division. And that division starts with race and LGBT. Uh, wow. I, I, I'm, I'm looking right now. They, they call it something else there. They call it Dunyan. Yeah. And it's completely different. Like as far as what goes viral there, completely different from what we have here because TikTok yeah. is banned there. 
Yeah, I heard. Um, I, I don't have any. Just from just from what I see in the media, I, I hear that it's uh, like you're rewarded for like animal videos instead of shaking your ass. I heard that there's also a time limit on it. If you're underage, it, it, um, you can't use it more than like 40 minutes a day or something. Yeah, and they designed the apps here to be as addicting as possible. That rapid release. Do you think that maybe you should get off of TikTok then? I don't really use it. I only use TikTok as an editing app, honestly. I never scroll through it. I People always send me TikToks. I don't even look at my DMs on there. Um, it's very much just an editing app. I'm grateful for it because my first video on there was what made me go decently viral and get my start here. But the second I realized just how bad it was, and at the time I didn't know that it was Chinese owned and the whole just grotesque just politics behind it. But um, yeah, I don't really use TikTok, but they already have all my information. So there's not even a point for me to delete it yet. Are are you a religious guy? I am. You are you in did your parents instill that in you? Not really kind of, but not really. Um my mom is Christian, so she she is very spiritual. She doesn't really go to church often more because she doesn't really relate to the churches there. There's no like black churches, quote unquote, there. Um, but I would say most of it has been on my own merit. Is it getting is it are you, do you like do you go to church on Sundays? Um, I haven't recently. I haven't since the pandemic, actually. Um, my work schedule doesn't really permit it as much as I would like it to, but it's something I intend to do soon. I want to find a new church soon. And and how come? Did you have some moment where some awakening moment? Um, as far as why I do go Just, or why like, I have Yeah, went? why are you Christian? Like how 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 does that happen to you? Um, I mean, I was always, always around the environment, but I'd say my relationship with God has just naturally grown over time. There's been a lot of moments in my life where I felt like I wouldn't have been able to get through it or seen the light out of it if it wasn't for God's plan and God's timing. So I've just, I have a very personalized relationship, I feel like with him. So, um, I'm, I'm taking what you're saying and trying to understand it. Basically, you've had some incredible synchronicities or your path seems the only explanation for your path is that there's a God that. And I just feel like historically speaking too, I feel like you can trace back in history, just a lot of the different things that have to do with Christianity align with history. I've always said unpopular opinion, but I think science history and the Bible align a lot more than people think that it does. And um, my way just of thinking about it is people People have to understand when they're reading the Bible that some things are metaphorical and they're like parables and analogies. And then some things are very literal. And And I'm not a scholar by any means on the Bible or anything of that nature. But just the way that I've made sense of it in my head is there's certain things that are metaphorical. Uh, um, this lady right here, do you know who this is? I don't. Her name is Olivia Craighead. And uh have you have you seen this fucking piece of shit? Not the this guy, guy that's on this, the screen or the no, article. No, no, sorry. I I apologize to the guy on the screen. <laughs> that's this, gunner. <laughs> this fucking article. Yeah, I'm at the bottom there. This fucking article has you painted as the number two as as the number two like operative as a fucking fake conservative with no fucking facts yeah it's this is fucking nuts you know you know what happened to gawker and hulk hogan 
I don't. There's a tech guy, Peter Thiel. Basically, he's the founder of PayPal. Rich as fuck. Gay guy. Lives in San Francisco. They, he had a boyfriend. that, w- that and, and Gawker outed his boyfriend. And his boyfriend's parents didn't know that he was gay. So Gawker later re- released some video of Hulk Hogan having sex with his best friend's wife. And so Peter Thiel said, hey, I'll get behind you and we'll sue the fuck out of them. And Hogan oh, wow. won $300 million. Basically, he said – these fu- I cannot believe in a way I want to say congratulations you've made it. <laughs> but this lady is saying that you get paid while it does seem she calls you it does seem incredibly fake. And that you're basically make you you're being a race trader and to get paid. You know what's this crazy is fucking, about that too? This is fucking nuts. I remember when this article came out and a lot of these photos were concepts because today's America is a group that I still somewhat work with. And um, they were working on creating, like helping different content creators from Gen Z create brands so that we could start uniquely reaching different markets. So some of us went to them for ideas and some of them came to us about ideas and that nature. So some of those shows on there never even launched. So she wrote an entire article about concepts. It was trending on Twitter too, particularly the first guy that um, the at the top of the picture, his name alone was trending on Twitter because people were just reading us for filth when we hadn't even started posting yet. It's crazy. It's, fu- it's fucking nuts. Um, that is uh, the classic example, by the way, whenever I talk to anyone, instead of addressing the issues – that's a form of ad hominem what they did. They're not going to address any of the issues you bring up. Instead, they attack you personally because she's not strong enough to debate you on the issues. So she has to attack you. You're a fucking asshole. What does that have to do with whether the fact of how much protein you should eat every day? I right. mean, you know what I mean? If we're debating protein and all of a sudden you're like, you're a fucking idiot. Like what? It's like, how can did, you elaborate? Get, <laughs> yeah. How did, how did I get into the, into the conversation? Is, is, um, is there a lot of this, um, is, is, is there a lot of negativity that comes with it? I couldn't find any. Um, or, do, or do people just kind of and, – and you know your shit, so I'm guessing most people want to stay the fuck away from you. I get a lot of just ignorance spewed. There's quite a few videos of people making – talking about either me or just like different brands. Um, I think one of the ones that stuck in my head the most where this guy duetted my video on TikTok, and he start, literally starts a video with, I hate you. And he starts just going on about how much he hates me. He hates my guts. He doesn't care if TikTok deletes the video. He just wants it to be known that people like me are the scum of the earth. So I never report my haters. I just let them do their thing. But I reported that one to TikTok just to see what TikTok would do. They didn't report it or they didn't take the video down. They, in fact, told me that they didn't see anything wrong and that there was nothing that violated their guidelines. But if I say that I believe there's only two genders, I get taken down for hate speech. It's, It's wild. But I do get a lot of hate in my dms and my comment sections i just filter it out like it doesn't affect me my life my credit score my health anything so i don't care quite frankly but yeah it's it's a lot of trolling i just wish people would be more original like if someone sends me a comment that's attacking me and it's pretty aggressive but there's actually substance to what they're saying i don't mind replying or having a civil conversation but the second it just starts turning into them spewing insults at me 
or saying cliche things like Uncle Tom, Coon, Race Trader, Pick Me, that kind of stuff. I just I just tune it out. They've already lost in my book. Is is there is there is there a um is there a demographic that does that? Like it's not Chinese kids. Mostly white liberals. Yeah. Um, black people too, but I, and people, black people will always come to my page and say, oh, all these white people in the comments. I'm like, first of all, my comment section is actually very diverse, but even if it was like, why is that the first thing you care about? What do you have to say about what I actually said? Why are you concerned about who's agreeing? Right. Um, but yeah, it's, I get the most flack from white liberals and it's really ironic when I'll have a white liberal calling me a bootlicker. I'm like, so whose boot am I licking? Is it yours? Like, you don't think that that's racist in itself. Like, you don't think that's narcissistic of you to tell me that I hate myself because you don't, because I don't agree with what you want me to believe. You're telling me that I hate myself. That's gaslighting. That's like telling me that I have to just completely disagree with anything I've ever believed just because you want me to. I think we already know that they're the real racists. Yeah. At the, it, which is which is so weird. It's the it's the posse is riding around looking for the bad guy, but actually the bad guy's in the posse. <laughs> and, and, right. And of course, they're never going to find them. And and they and they believe their own delusion. I'm sure. Um, are you a fan of Thomas Sowell? Yes, of course. Uh, have you seen this thing um, where there's this? I can't remember which book it was, but one of his books he talks about how where black people fucked up is they should have taken the path that like the Chinese and the Japanese and the Indians did where they stayed out of politics and where Mexicans and blacks fucked up as they got into politics. They thought politics was going to help elevate them. But meanwhile, we see that the average white family in the United States makes $60,000 a year and the average Indian family makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't know if you've seen that layout of Mm -hmm. how all the different ethnicities and how much money they make and Mm -hmm. white people are like somewhere in the middle. Do you have any thoughts on that? Have you ever heard that before? Do you remember him saying that, that like basically politics isn't the way to, uh, to, to elevating yourself, that it's, it's through just putting your head down and grinding? At the time period that he was referring to, 100%, I think nowadays it is important for us to get as involved politically as we can because we're pretty far gone. But where I think we messed up was right after the civil rights movement is we should have put our head down and work. That's what a lot of black people did do, like business owners and marriages and everything that's positive in the black community was so much stronger right after the civil rights movement. But at some point, people, instead of continuing to want to work and be business owners, I feel like the ability to fail ended up deterring people away from wanting to just work hard. Like the Asian demographics, there's so many other demographics that have been enslaved or been through similar things as what the black community had went through before achieving freedom, but they all just worked and they just had no excuses, just went to try to provide for their families. We tried to do it the political route like thomas was saying and because of that we have put ourselves more into a hole because we ended up aligning with our own oppressors thinking that we were the state that they were the saviors essentially um where do do you i'm guessing that you're a workaholic that you like from the second you wake up to the second you go to bed you found your passion and you just grind and you're having a blast of course it's 24 (laughs) 7 Um, do you think you got that from your mom and dad? It sounds like that they, they worked their ass off too. Um, I'd say in some ways. Yeah. I will say my parents work very hard. I definitely respect them in that aspect. 
Um, I think I've all, I guess, yeah, you could say that in a lot of ways, just even in my childhood, I was just addicted to wanting a better life for myself. I remember having conversations with my parents when I was really young saying like, how do those people have like those big mansions and we live in this little house. And my mom always told me like keeping grades high, keeping straight A's, all of that kind of stuff was going to bring you a better life. I never had a B growing up. Like I had straight A's. I was like in high school, I was in like 15 different clubs. I was in two sports and working nearly full time. Like I never stopped working because I, I know how badly I want my situation to be better. And that's always been my mentality. So as things continue to get better in my life, I still am so far from being complacent because I know there's so much further that I can go. So yeah, I, I would say that it does fall back to my parents. Um, I, I put you kind of in this category of these, um, y- you know, poppies that are just launching these rockets that are launching. Like, uh, Jor- do you know who Jorge Ventura is? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I put or 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 Al, um, uh, Alex Stein. Although it's a di- completely different shtick than than yours or Jorge's, but there's these this group of just people who are just just launching do you feel that like you were just on um on august 29th by the way i recommend everyone listen to it you were on the podcast with uh dennis prager that's yeah. i mean where are, are you kind of tripping you're like holy shit i'm fucking doing it yes for sure um <laughs> it's like i've i try not to be starstruck because i know how corny that is but it it is it's like crazy to be in these circles with people like in the last couple months I was on a podcast with Dennis Prager. I met Candace Owens in a networking setting, not even there as a fan. Um, Just like all these incredible people I've been able to work with. I actually just filmed a handful of productions with Prager U. So my relationship is growing with them. Um, I actually have on the net yet. Are those on the net yet? Not yet. They're coming in January and there's a, a, like a 10, probably 10 minute version of me explaining my story and upbringing, how I got into this movement that's going to be releasing around January that I'm so excited about. Um, I'm going out there again in just a couple of weeks to film like a week's worth of content. So it's, it's crazy. I'm, I feel like I am starting to get where I want it to be, where there's so many incredible talented creators, especially like Jorge Ventura. Like he is so talented and just doing great work. So to be, in that same movement of people who are rising so quickly, it's it's an honor. And I appreciate you even putting me in that category. Oh, dude, you're a beast. You're a savage. Uh, and, and, and Jorge, once again, uh, just he just works his ass off. Like he has no fucking life. His life is just going from event to event, bringing, bringing, bringing the news. And he's doing the hard shit. Like he doesn't just tell you what he's seeing. He's showing you. Yeah. I want to get to there. I want to get to where I have enough time just in my day where I can go out and actually be on the street more filming content, going to more events. But right now it's like, it's cracks of the day. Like I'm building this platform. Just literally I'll take a lunch break and just do everything that I possibly can to build my platform, to reach my followers, to see what's going on. I'll get up at 5 a.m. sometimes to start filming videos on things that I know that are coming on, um, especially like this election cycle. Like it was just nonstop. So it's very humbling to see my hard work really starting to pay off, especially in the last couple of months. I feel like the momentum has been crazy. Um, um, t- tell me about the the election cycle. Are, are you tripping? Do, do you believe in election fraud? Like like what we saw happen in Arizona? Like how did Carrie, how could Carrie Lake lose? Is that just because we live in an echo chamber and we didn't realize the the pushback against her? 
You know, there's a lot. That's such a, that's a whole another conversation. Um, there's so many elements there as far as just like, even just nationwide. I feel like, first of all, we need to do better and picking better candidates. Some of the candidates that were coming from the Republican side were just terrible. Like I thought Dr. Oz was a terrible candidate, but he was there. I also think that Republicans need to do a much, much better job in reaching Gen Z. We're spending hundreds of millions of GOP grassroots dollars on these consultants who are terrible at what they do. And they waste and burn money on TV ads because they're able to somehow get money back from those instead of actually putting in the work. So I think there's a lot that could have been done Meaning Gen Z doesn't even watch TV. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like Gen Z doesn't watch TV. Like couldn't even tell you the last time I had, I never in my adult life have had cable because we have Netflix and all these different things, but there's so many more creative ways that they could be reaching my generation. But to go back to your question, as far as election fraud, I'm very careful when I say those words, because I know there's so much to that, that I don't understand, but I know that there's a lot of things going on that need to be addressed. I'll put it that way. Like what happened in Arizona was inexcusable. Um, I want to see more information come out before I just straight up condemn it as fraud, but all the red flags are looking like fraud of what happened in Maricopa County. Like it makes sense. No sense that 30% of their machines and their most populated County, that was the most crucial County suddenly went down, especially when you have a conflict of interest, like Katie Hobbs, who was one of the worst Democrat candidates I've ever seen. Um, She is the secretary of state. So she's overseeing her own election. Like all of that to me looks like red flags. Um, So I do think that there is an issue of some behavior that looks like fraud. I'm just trying to be careful when I actually full blown condemn it as fraud, because I feel like that's again, one of those words that get used too lightly to where it's starting to not mean anything. Right. F- fair enough. And, and and I respect that also. There's so many subjects you have done deep dives on that you can hold your ground on or at least paint, you know, dance with people for sure. And that in itself is a whole nother. You're right. That that needs someone you need to you need to read for fucking 100 hours uh, before you can. But it does it does seem. Part of me, I guess I feel like I'm just in denial because I have really good friends who vote for candidates so I'm I'm really against forcing kids to take drugs. Any kind of injection I'm against forcing kids to take. And yet people that I love voted for Gavin Newsom. And yet he wants to my kids can't go to school, not that I would let them go to school, but my kids can't go to school because people I loved voted for Gavin Newsom. So I just I I I want I guess I just want to believe that there's fraud, although there probably wasn't any in California. Um because I just can't believe that more people don't see eye to eye with me. Or I, I don't want the LGBTQ flag in front of an elementary school. There was uh, malpractice. There was def- – because there was in a California, integrity. Yeah, uh, particularly in Alameda County. Um, I work with the in- uh, Election Integrity Committee, and there's a lot of things that they saw that technically are not by the book. Um, there were certain things that I wouldn't call fraud, but just malpractice that were – addressing behind the scenes right now. Um, So there are things that just aren't going the way that they should be going uh, as far as poll watching what's happening at these polls. I think the first thing we need to, the first two things we need to stop doing, I'm over mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots need to stop. Like that is such a problematic system that should only be used in cases of emergency that are pre-approved. It is not that hard to get to the polling place. I also think we need to stop with these machines. These Dominion machines are horrifically problematic. There are so many tests that show how these machines misread the ballots that it's not even funny. Like there's so much proof out there on how 
bad those machines are. So I like we need to start hand counting. Like there needs to be some better system established, especially in these more um, just like swing state areas where we need to be a lot more attentive on what's happening. So I tell people to get involved with their county party. And if there isn't an election integrity committee to get one started. I, I even I had a friend who saw voter fraud in Minnesota, I think it was. Went was called to DC to testify. And they said oh, wow. the voter fraud they said the voter fraud was really bad. Like really, 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 really bad. Like and I can fucking, believe it. Yeah, people just throwing away ballots that for for any time anyone voted against uh, voted for uh, Trump. No, the Trump election, I think it was a lot worse. I think there was a lot of things that were just point blank fraud. To say the election was stolen, I can't prove that. But to say that there was fraud, a hundred percent. There were things that were just undeniable. Like there were so many videos of just. I know the videos are, like the people stuffing the ballot boxes with just stacks of ba- ba- ballots. Yeah, I those saw videos. those in or real tracking time. The cell phones. That shit was crazy. And I was still like on like I voted for Trump in 2020, but that was like right when I was on the cusp of where I was leaning ideology wise. Like I got full like I made my decision I was going to get into politics right after I saw what happened with Trump. Because I saw the videos of what was happening, especially in states like Arizona. And I even had friends in Arizona telling me that they were given Sharpie markers for their ballots in some of the more Republican-driven areas. And I thought about that. I'm like, the Sharpies don't read on those machines. Like, it says on there that Sharpies cannot be read. Like, I had people send me Snapchats and everything, but I didn't have a platform at that time, so I didn't even think to save the picture. Um, But yeah, it it was bad. I would say the 2020 election was definitely a lot of fraud going on. Um election was more than likely stolen just based on how much fraud happened. I, I just can't believe 81 million people voted for Joe Biden. Like there's just no way. God, I hope you're right. <laughs> God, I hope you're right. You think he'll run again? Trump? No. Oh, right. Biden. He, he can't, he, there's no way that man is on, on his last leg. He is so mentally not there. I worked at a nursing home in high school for three years and I saw, and I worked particularly right next to the dementia wing. I have seen onset dementia firsthand. Like when people would go from the West wing to the East wing, I saw that transition of them going to the East wing dementia wing and all the symptoms that Joe Biden has where he's just constantly lost. You can see it in his eyes. He has no idea what's going on. The stuttering is so bad. He loses his train of thought. Like I feel bad for him to an extent because he's just not there. Did you read did you read Laptop from Hell? Of course. The story that the FBI made Facebook suppress, did you hear about that? No. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan oh, and yes. said how the FBI came to him to suppress the Hunter Biden story yes. Yes. before the election, right before yes. the election. Are you tripping now that last week CBS News is now saying that the the laptop is real? Is that is do you think that that's all calculated too because the Democrats don't want Biden running again so now they're going to let the information out the truth out so that he can they can get someone else? You know, I feel I I've said since the beginning that Joe Biden was a martyr. They pushed some of the worst policies ever and so much of the madness we're seeing now is because they know Joe Biden's only running once. 
So now they might as well let the truth out there because they already look crazy. They might as well just like let the floodgates open at this point because he's on his tail end. So, yeah, I think it was calculated in the timing. I just wonder if they're ever going to admit the Ashley Biden diary story was real because the FBI confiscated it. So obviously it is he real. His daughter. Yeah. So why is Ashley Biden as a little girl writing about the inappropriate shower she would have with her father? But that's, again, one of those things you could deplatform if you mention it's already been confirmed that the diary was real. But will the news talk about it? Absolutely not. Um, are you are, when do you think you get invited to Tucker? Whew, you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping soon. It's coming, baby. It's coming. He and I went viral together on the shade room um, when we called out Balenciaga. Uh, that absolutely blew up. That was the first, that was the third time the shade room has posted me. That's a very like for people who don't know, that's a urban news site basically. Um, and the last two times I was on there, I got read for absolute filth. But this time I had Democrats and Republicans agreeing with me, so I was happy about that. I'm trying. I'm trying to click uh, shade room. Wow, 27 million followers. Yeah, they blocked me, though. <laughs> oh, they did? Yeah, the first time they posted me, I was defending myself in the comments, and they blocked me. But they've posted me two times since then. But yeah, this if you want to see what's going on, especially in black or urban culture, the shade room is where you got to go. This is like one of the most powerful news sites in urban and young culture. Wow, I've never even heard of this. Yeah, like what TMZ used to be like in the 90s, like breaking all the story, the 2000s, breaking all the stories, like TMZ is still there. But the shade room is where the real stories happen at this point. How How's uh, how's Kanye doing, you think? Does, does he have any friends? He has friends. I don't think he has the best friends around him. Um, you know, I. I'm I want him to succeed. I mean, he has succeeded. I want him to be. I want him to be happy. He doesn't seem happy. I don't think he's happy. Um, I I'm honestly really concerned for him, especially with some of his new association. Um, I respected some of the things that he's done recently, but him hanging out with Nick Fuentes, who I'm always hesitant to even say his name on a platform. Um, Nick is the most far, far, far right person out there and has a huge following. Like I very rarely use the terminology of white nationalists or um, neo-Nazi, anything like that. But if, if that applies to anyone, it's Nick Fuentes. Um, and seeing Kanye hang out with him is very frightening to me. I wonder how much Kanye actually knows about him. Um, Kanye actually took Nick with him to Mar-a-Lago to speak with Trump. And Trump didn't know that Nick was there. And that ended up being a huge dispute and Kanye getting kicked out. So... I am getting to the point where I'm concerned. And the fact that Kanye wants to run for 2024 or presidency, he has way too many issues in his personal and professional life going on right now for him to do that. He is needs Nick to get his on. Is he on Instagram? Oh, no, he's banned. I found his secret Instagram, but no, he, he is banned from every mainstream platform. His bank account got banned. He's on a no flight list. Like he's he's like way out there. Oh, yeah. It says, I mean, Google has him as an American white supremacist. Yeah, there's few people I use that term for. Very few. In oh, he's fact, only he's, he's only 24 years old. Yeah, his following is like insane though. Like absolutely insane. Like they will come at you in the most aggressive pack. Um he has his own platform that he uses where he talks about all of this hateful rhetoric, but he's bad news.
And, and, and what's the story? Why is Kanye associated with him? No idea. I saw, I almost threw my phone at the wall when I saw that they were trending together on Twitter. Um, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on there. It makes no sense to me. I just saw that he took Nick with him to a dinner, tried to take Nick with him to a dinner at Trump's house. What about this? Let me go here with this. What about, um, uh, Jesus hung out with um, the sinners, right? Um, maybe, maybe it's a horrible political move uh, for, um, uh, I don't know, anyone to hang out with Nick Fuentes. But Kanye has not shied away from him, his love from, for Christ. I mean, it, it's like I see it every day, you know. Um, what's wrong with him hanging out with bad people and, and, and trying to um, – Spread the good word to them. Spread spread the Bible to them. Spread spread love to them. Spread the word of Jesus to them. Like sh- shouldn't shouldn't the shouldn't the best people be hanging out with the wet, worst people? I would bet so much money that Kanye is being influenced by Nick a lot more than Nick is being influenced by Kanye. And I very much think that Kanye is being manipulated by this new association that he has. I don't think he knows the damage that is potential to be done by his association with them Mm. and i feel like the reason that kanye has done that is because he's been so publicly slaughtered lately that he was looking for any community that was willing to embrace him but i i do and i i hate to say this about someone as powerful as kanye because i really look up to kanye like especially being from chicago like i always love kanye i think he is a pawn right now I oh, think man, he's trying so heart. hard. You're breaking my heart, Xavier. It's breaking mine. I think he's – I feel like he was on the right path because he and Candace Owens have been friends for years. People act like that's a new friendship. They like Kanye designed the font and the logo for Blexit Foundation. A lot of people don't even know that. Wow. And I actually learned this from Candace personally just a few weeks ago. This is not a public story, so I hope she's okay with me saying this. But Kanye was the first person to donate to Blexit. Like Kanye has been friends with her for a long time. So that influence I thought was really strong and them being publicly like having their friendship out there. Like I thought Kanye was doing great work. His comments about the Jewish community got very messy. I feel like his message got very overshadowed by his poor choice and wording um, on what he was trying to say got very just jumbled into a bunch of hateful rhetoric but now that he is with this new group with nick fuentes like i don't know how that happened i don't know how he met nick i don't want to know i'm like almost afraid to even look into it because that is such a bad combination you think so what has what did this guy nick fuentes do that made him a, a white supremacist it's just the thing. Every video I've ever seen of him is him saying something hateful towards black people or hateful towards some demographic. Um, his. Okay. So you've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it's it. Not just, it's just not just Google saying it. You've seen it. Yeah. I've made my own judgment. Cause I, it was again, when the, when I first got into the movement, he was one of the first people that I was like, yeah, this is not what I want to be when I was looking at different creators in the right wing space. Cause I had never really paid attention to any conservative commentators or influencers. I didn't even know this movement was as established as it was when I got into the movement. Like it was kind of a fluke that I even found the movement the way I did, um, that I'm grateful for now. But when I started finding like different right wing creators and I saw that he was so taboo, I was like, well, what are people saying? Or what is he saying? That's so bad. I'm like, okay, Okay, yeah, it is actually that bad. Um, like he's way out there. Like he thinks that black people are just these animalistic people and swears that like black people have no just 
intellect is basically what he says, but in much more aggressive verbiage. He he thinks they're inferior. Very much so. And a lot of times people are like, well, how can he be racist if he's hanging out with Kanye? Because I think he has ill intentions. Or I think he sees Kanye as a way to elevate himself and elevate his own platform. Because I can only imagine how much more money he has made just from having his name trend with Kanye. Because now people are signing up for his his platform just to see what it's all about. Yeah, and, I would have uh, never heard of him if he hadn't hung out with Kanye. Yeah, a lot of people want it. I, I don't speak on him on my platform, largely because his fan base is crazy. I said, all I said about him recently was... um. Someone had said that he should, that Nick should be on Timcast. And I just replied, no. <laughs> and I have received so much hate and people calling me a liberal and like insulting me and trying to read me for filth because I don't support Nick Fuentes. They're, that group is extreme, like very extreme. Um, uh, does he got, is he anti Semitic too? Does he hate Jews too? Nick Fuentes? Um, I don't know his views on Jewish people. I'd assume so. I would be very shocked if he wasn't, um, but I've never looked into that. It's so it's so hard to find anything that's real just when you p- punch it into Google now. Yeah, of course. I I just put in Nick Fuentes Jews and it says GOP Jewish Coalition condemns Yay and Nick. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming he said some anti-Semitic things. I know a lot of his like fan base, and he has creators that are under his platform that are a little tiny bit softer than him or i'd say they're quite most of them are quite a bit softer than him but they're still very aggressive and i know a lot of them spew a lot of anti-semitic rhetoric um very anti-black rhetoric one of his creators who is thank god they have that right i'm so glad the white supremacists hate jews too because it would suck if it was just blacks or just jews (laughs) it's kind of cool which is weird to me that black and Jewish people tend to have this like long historical feud, which I don't understand. We've dealt with a lot of the same issues and enemies. So I feel like there should be more alliance there than anything. But I, I know one of his creators was has a video that went viral on Twitter where he's talking about how the best thing that ever happened to MLK was his assassination. Oh, and geez. he went into his whole elaboration on that. And I'm just like, I, I can't. I can't. People like that give the right wing such a bad name. And that's why it frustrates me when when a liberal will troll me, they'll call me this far right extremist, but then the far right extremists don't like me either. So it's like I'm definitely not either of those. I feel like I'm a very sane person that just leans right. Um, what about Denzel? You have any thoughts on Denzel? Um, I don't really know his political ideology. He's a great actor. That's all I really know about him. He he said some pretty incredible shit too, along the lines of Morgan Freeman. He's not he's not playing the game. Same with, uh, have you heard Lil, Lil Wayne's story? Have you heard Lil Wayne speak on it? Yes, I have heard Lil Wayne speak on it. Um, he's a big fan of Trump. A lot of rappers are big fans of Trump behind the scenes. They just don't say it publicly. Uh, he, he, Lil Wayne doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you've heard his story about the white cop who saved his life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Den- Denzel, um, had, check out some of the stuff that he said. He is like, it's it's kind of amazing that him and Morgan Freeman, um, they're, they're I guess they're uncancelable. Because yeah. they still they still rock the house in fucking Hollywood, but they're not playing the game. Everybody's uncancelable. It's just not everybody has the courage to do it. Ooh. It's like you can't be canceled if you don't accept that you're canceled. Um, were were you suspect of COVID from day one? 
I did think it was about to be an apocalypse. I was really scared. Because <laughs> um, I'm a germaphobe in the first place. So before mask mandates and all that stuff happened, the second before COVID really even got announced, I had already bought mask gloves. <laughs> I had just I saw like You're such a fucking healthy man. Look at you. Look at your skin and your shoulders and you're all yoked and shit. How could you be scared of COVID? Well, I, I didn't know. I okay, hear me out. The, I heard about COVID before it got announced. I remember showing my like friends at work, like you see this happening in China. Cause I found some obscure video where people were just dying in the streets. And I am already just a paranoid person. Like everybody was freaking out. They didn't have hand sanitizer. I already had a bucket of it at home. Like I didn't even need to buy any. I was, I was already stocked for this. Um, especially cause the Ebola outbreak, that's a whole nother story, but I predicted the Ebola outbreak for like two years. Like I just knew what was going to happen and it happened. Um, but that's a side story. But yeah, I was, I just saw people were dying abruptly. I thought people were getting this, not knowing they were having it, dying on the street. So I didn't know. Once the information started coming out and once they started censoring the information is when I started to get skeptical. By the time the vaccine had rolled out, I already wasn't trusting anybody. Oh, But in the very beginning where people were just dying in china apparently which never happened in the united states where people were just walking around and dying but i was seeing those videos come from china all i know those could have been tv shows but i was scared in the beginning but i very quickly was over it i'd say by it's hard to remember the timeline but i'd say probably like may i was done i was done with the covid mess and i was still a liberal at that time is he on truth social me uh yes at xavier uh clock cutter they canceled bill cosby <laughs> and, and hard as soon as he started telling black folks that they had to take they had to take of themselves had to take probably take care of themselves oh what do you mean bill cosby got canceled for fucking drugging women what he got canceled. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about bill had that coming <laughs> poor bill i remember growing up isn't it a trip you think of I guess maybe you're too young for this, but there was a time when like in the U S we had Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson and the Cosby's and no one ever talked about them being black. Like I watched Bill Cosby every Thursday night at 8 PM with my family for fucking however many years it was on 10 years. And my family never once discussed that that was a black family. No one ever told the greatest fucking superstar that ever lived was fucking Michael Jackson in my era. No one ever talked about him being white or black same with uh michael jordan there were it's so interesting that now it's like reared its head like this i i, I it's just so fucking weird yeah and that's we why have, i have go ahead oh sorry i was gonna say we used to have such positive representation of the black family unit in the media like we had family matters we had the bill cosby show we had in living color we had all these different great examples even like when i was really young like we had one-on-one proud family um girlfriends like there were the parkers all these different shows that positively positively represented black people black excellence essence all of that but now when we see black people in the media first of all everybody is viewed only as black like it used like you said like there used to not be these labels on people but now the people who are being in the forefront are like cardi b who admits on video to drugging and robbing men before she got her fame. Yeah, yeah. You have Lizzo in a million dollar outfit well, getting that is awards. That a crazy phenomenon. How morbidly obese. <laughs> Saying she's oppressed. It's like, 
And then what's bad about them is they advocate for black people to live like them, knowing that if black people have the lifestyles that they have, they're either going to die or end up in jail. You, you are going to die out. prematurely for sure. You will die 100% prematurely if you live those lifestyles. Yeah, that confidence won't stop Lizzo's blood from clotting. And right. she needs to stop telling people that that lifestyle is acceptable or that she's oppressed. Like, you're not oppressed. You are glorified. And if anything, you're overfed in both um, metaphorical and literal sense. So she needs to just stop. Ma'am. I, I, I do think that our number one problem today, beyond any of the stuff that we've talked about, 100%, hands down, is uh, chronic disease, which is which is kind of funny because we're, 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 we're trying to refine all of these things, acting like they matter, COVID or racism or sexism. Or, but re- really, I, I think at the root of all of it is, is just mass chronic disease and, and fear. I think that's why all the transgender shit comes from, too. I, don't, I think that if you you poison a child with enough sugar at a young age, it just turns them fucking it retards their growth, retards their brain development, retards their physical hormonal development. Well, my theory on that is that it all goes back to big pharma because these pushing mental illness, whether it's anxiety, depression, gender dysphoria, all this madness is making people more and more dependent on these drugs. And if you even look at the way that if a kid, you have a eight year old boy who's hyper and likes to play with trucks. And when he's doing his homework, he doesn't want to do his homework. He wants to go play video games. That's not necessarily a sign that something's wrong with him, but they drug him up and say, he had, I don't know which one it is, ADHD or ADD. Like, yes, some people legitimately have those, but there are so many people who get medicated now as young children just because they're just regular young children. Children are naturally hyper. If you give children sugar, they're going to not want to do homework. They want to go want to run outside. But instead, they're drugging these kids. It all goes back to wanting to be these kids dependent from day one on big pharma because that is a multi-billion dollar industry. And they don't give a fuck about kids. Never have. You think you're going to have kids? Yeah. Yeah. You have I'm a girlfriend? Or no, I'm single. Oh. Do you have time for a girlfriend? I can make time, but uh, right now, not really. Yeah, I'm working is like eighty it, hours. Is um is uh is dating scary? Uh, I wouldn't say it's scary. Um, I just have to be a bit more hesitant, especially because like I do have some more higher profile connections, and there are people who will try to either take advantage of that or try to get information on people. Um, I'd say oh anything, shit, like like a left wing project project Veritas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I've had people just like send me some DMs that were suspect, like a couple of DMs back and forth. And then all of a sudden it's like, so what do you know about this? It's like, stop. Um, I'd say if anything, just being in the Bay area as a conservative is inconvenient dating wise. It's so hard to find a non-liberal or even a conservative who can deal with the madness of my platform and what comes with that. Uh, It's kind of baggage, but I'm not worried about it. I got time. Yeah, you have tons of time. Um, and 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 are you tra- How often are you training? Even though you're, how often are you training? Uh, I'm going like five days a week now. You um, are. Yeah, I I Good was on you. going to CrossFit. Um, probably four or five days a week, but I had to step back from CrossFit just because of my schedule. So now I'm just going to a regular gym in the time being yeah, until yeah. my schedule was a little more yeah. condensed. But yeah, I've, I'd say in the last month, I've been taking it really seriously because I've always wanted to bulk, but bulking used to be like eat one ginormous meal and I wouldn't want to eat for three days. But I finally have gotten a rhythm where I eat just a little bit 
like every so often throughout the day. And my calories are probably double or triple what they were when I was doing my regular diet. So it's been helping a lot. Do all those people work out? Does Candace work out? Do, do you think Will Willett works out? Do you think, uh, I, I don't think Dennis needs to work out. So why doesn't someone get Dennis work at CrossFit membership? <laughs> I'll talk Dennis into it when I finally yeah. meet him in person. I'm hoping yeah. I meet him when I'm there in a couple of weeks. Um, but Candace works out a lot. Candace yeah, is actually appreciate. really athletic. Um, a lot of, I'd say a lot of conservatives are, and you know, what's funny when I do my hashtags, to like grow my platform, some of the hashtags I'll put are like fitness, or I always put hashtag CrossFit or MMA or UFC, because the people who have the discipline of training and being consistent often have better common sense. They look into things more and they're much more analytical. And I feel like a lot of conservatives or just right-wing leaning people tend to be more successful and usually more successful people have the mindset of successful people. So I reach a lot of my following through those hashtags because I never wanted to be an echo chamber platform where everyone who follows me only follows me because they follow every other political person. There's a lot of like mainstream celebrities and athletes who follow me or love my content. And I've been able to reach them because I I purposely seek out creators or people who are in the fitness industry. Personal accountability and personal responsibility. Yeah. It's, 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 it's no that, victim mentality. Yeah. It's that cohort that knows that, you know, like, yeah, I need to work hard on myself. Isn't that fascinating that that makes a conservative. Right. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, great pleasure meeting you. Um, I, I will be looking out for your, uh, Prager U content that will be coming out very shortly. And I'd love to have you back on again in January or February and talk about that experience. Absolutely. I'll send you a link when it's out. Thank you for having me. Awesome, dude. And you have my uh, you have my phone number. Text me anytime. Uh, no one can ever bug me. I always love hearing from uh, <clears throat> love hearing from the guests. Sounds good. Thank you again. Yep, dude. Ciao. Uh, I need to get Xavier and invest in yourself shirt. And invest in yourself shirt. Your yourself. I don't get it. Uh, Travis, hi. Candace is fire. She is. Uh, single. Yeah, he's single. There you go. Sorry, I should have popped that up. I could have talked to him for a whole fucking hour more. I could have talked to him. It's gone three hours. I have to pee. Go figure. Um, okay. Let's see. Who do we have on tomorrow? Good show. That blew by. Holy cow, that blew by. Who do we have on tomorrow? Oh, shit. We have the rapper Hocus on. Oh, that's tomorrow night. Oh, that's cool. Okay. We have this guy coming on named Andy Holmes, who's the maybe the leading expert on the planet in tainted supplements. I don't know if we have a date for it yet. Oh, sorry. I forgot to ask him this. Trump or DeSantis 2024. I'm so sorry, Sunil. Fuck. My bad. Damn it. Heidi, is he says, damn, I didn't see any of these. Is he single? I'm so sorry, guys. What a douche I am. Oh, you did it twice. Oh, my goodness. So sorry. What a fuck up. Oh, no, there's more. Jeremy World. Stevon, tell me about my story. Oh, the people want to know if he's single. Oy. The thing, I didn't have anyone with me today. Caleb was on some training uh Mission, and I don't know where Sousa is. Sousa is probably working his day job, CrossFit Livermore. 
Uh, yeah. So 6 p.m. tomorrow with the rapper Hocus. That'll be fun. All right. I hit a pole in my car backing up. I have to take it to the auto body shop to see if I can get it fixed. I can't believe it. I was I was parked under an awning at a restaurant. And I, and I, and there was one of those thin poles, I think I told you guys, and I turned the wheel. Oh, my camera's touching the top of my monitor now. And, I, and anyway, I turned the wheel and I fucking hit the pole with the front of my car. I pride myself on being such a great driver. Okay, okay, fine, fine. Okay, bye. No stories. Fine. See you guys later. Bye.